from Sarasota Memorial and the Deb Kavanaugh Multimedia Studio. This is HealthCast, a healthy dose of information from experts you can trust. Hi, everybody. Welcome to HealthCast. I'm Allison Goddermeyer. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discuss genetic counseling and genetic testing and how it relates to cancer prevention and treatment. Joining us today is Nicole Wood, the lead genetic counselor for the Brian D. Jellison Cancer Institute. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So first, can you start by telling us a little bit about the genetic counseling program here at Sarasota Memorial and how it relates to the Brian D. Jellison Cancer Institute's mission? Absolutely. So the genetic counseling program here at Sarasota Memorial has been a little bit of a hidden gem for many years. Um, we're actually the only institution with certified genetic counselors specializing in oncology south of Tampa until we get to Fort Myers. So we have we cover a pretty vast region. Um, our goal at the program is to assist the physicians in a multidisciplinary approach in order to help patients with cancer determine maybe why they got it and how to prevent it in loved ones, as well as those without cancer help figure out how we can prevent it from happening in the first place. So you kind of just touched on it, but who would reach out? Who would see you or one of the genetic counselors and why? Yeah, so most of the time we see patients who have an active diagnosis of cancer that covers about 65 to 70% of our patients. And the goal with those patients is to help determine why this has happened to them and their family, as well as what we can do with treatments or how to prevent it in future generations. It is important to note, not every cancer has a genetic component, correct? It's not True. the smoking gun you're gonna find. No, it helps us in some cases, you know, for example, breast cancer or colon cancer. It can help us determine why things are happening at younger ages or to multiple generations in a single family. And it doesn't always, you know, you might have a genetic mutation or a genetic risk for cancer and never develop it, but only 10% of cancers in general are because of something hereditary. So does anyone with family history of cancer qualify for genetic counseling and testing, or are there more specific requirements? There are certainly more specific requirements. You know, in a family with lung cancers who all smoked, that's not a genetic cause for cancer. But in a family with multiple generations affected with breast and ovarian cancer, or multiple generations affected with colon or uterine cancer, absolutely. So the type of cancer makes a big difference, as well as how old everybody was when they were initially diagnosed with their malignancy. So what does a genetic counseling session look like? If someone is referred and, and does come to see you or one of the genetic counselors, how, do, how does the, the hour or so with, with you go? So we start off by, you know, before you even come to the appointment, we ask that you speak to some family members. You know, call up your mom, call up whoever is available, and ask questions about the family history. Who had cancer? What cancer was it? How old were they? We often find that there's a lot that people don't know about their families. Um, cancer is something that a lot of families just don't discuss. It's not talked about. And it can be a little bit of a taboo subject. So oftentimes there is more cancer in the family than we truly realize. So prior to the appointment, we ask that the patient kind of collects that information to help us out and get them the most accurate testing possible 
most accurate risk assessment possible, as well as making sure that their insurance will cover the test. Without that important information, it's not clear whether the insurance would or would not cover the testing. Once they're in the appointment with us, you know, then it becomes a matter of discussing that collected family history, going over what are the genes, why are we looking for this, how is it going to impact you and your family. That whole process takes about an hour or so, and we conclude, if the patient wants, with an actual genetic test. Someone might ask, why genetic counseling? Why can't my primary care doctor just order the test? Sure. And they absolutely can. But the benefit to genetic counseling is helping the patient understand why. Why are we doing this test? What are we looking for? What are the potential outcomes of the test? Because once you know this information, you can't unknow it. It doesn't go away. And it impacts not only you, but also your entire family. So it's really important to have that educational conversation beforehand to make sure that the test is right for you. Now, I actually had a family history of cancer and came to see the genetic counselors. I came to see you. Um, and I learned something really interesting that just because a family member that had cancer had genetic screening, I should still have gotten the genetic screening. Can you talk about how there have been advancements and a test done 20, 30 years ago may not be valid now? Absolutely. Genetics changes with the speed of light, it feels. Um, it you know, goes by so fast. We get new and new, new genes every month, every year, and new ways to look at those genes. So we started doing genetic testing in about 1999 clinically for BRCA1 and BRCA2. Um, and these are the main players. They kind of make up about half of hereditary breast and ovarian cancer. But since that point in time, we now test for at least 47 to 50 genes. And the progress hasn't been made all at once. It's been incremental. So even if somebody was tested five years ago or 10 years ago, maybe for 20 genes, it's still important to get that new updated test done because we might find that, you know, when mom was tested previously, she was negative, but we can't test her anymore or she's not willing to be tested. So the next step is to test somebody else in the family and see, is there something here? Can we identify it? And can we use this information to be more preventative and proactive? With the Brian D. Jellison Cancer Institute here at Sarasota Memorial, now more patients are able to seek treatment close to home, and that's the goal. But we also are asking many of these patients to, in the midst of what's already a scary time, see a genetic counselor. Why is that important? It's important for a couple of reasons. Usually the most important reason is for treatment purposes. We'll often use it to determine what type of surgery may be most beneficial to the patient. Uh, for example, a woman who was recently diagnosed with breast cancer and is trying to decide, do I want a lumpectomy or do I want a mastectomy? How aggressive do I want this treatment to be? And if we know that the breast tissue is just a little bit more likely to develop breast cancer than the average person, it can make that decision a little bit easier sometimes. Occasionally, we can also use it for chemotherapy decision-making purposes. Um, you know, someone with a particular mutation may be eligible for a different type of chemotherapy that'll work specifically for that tumor compared to somebody who didn't have it. Are there types of genes that are related to more than one cancer that maybe would uh, set someone up who's already had cancer for screening for a different kind of cancer in the future? Almost all of the genes. So we're looking at 
genes that are basically cancer protection mechanisms in one way or another. And they protect different parts of the body. These are all good genes. So I've mentioned BRCA1, BRCA2. I have them. You have them. Everybody has these genes. But in some people, they are broken. They carry a mutation in them, and it just doesn't protect the right way. So all the organs that that gene is supposed to protect are left susceptible and vulnerable to cancer. And it lets us know not only where in the body is at risk, but how high is that risk so that we can tailor a surveillance and uh, monitoring program specific to the patient. For someone who doesn't have cancer and isn't coming, but is, isn't coming for treatment, but is just coming to you for counseling, um, they might say, oh, these results would just give me anxiety. Why, why should I get the test? Why do the results matter? What's your response to them? That's an important reason why, you know, the genetic counseling piece is important prior to doing the testing because it's not for everybody. Not everybody can, you know, digest this information in a beneficial way. Now, sometimes it is too much, um, but the goal with it is to become proactive. It lets us know what do we need to watch for, how often do we need to watch for it, and when should we start? You know, somebody who has a risk for colon cancer because of generations affected with this may not start colonoscopies at 45. They may start at 35 instead and get them every three years instead of every 10, even when they're negative. So it just helps guide things. It lets us know what is most appropriate for this particular person and make it an individualized care plan. And it can also provide some people peace of mind. They may yes. think there's a genetic piece that happened to me. They may think there's a genetic piece that there isn't. Absolutely. And we don't know everything there is to know. You know, genetic, like we've discussed, you know, it progresses very quickly. So even a negative result today does not mean it's definitely not genetic. It just kind of lets us know it's not any of these genes that we can look at right now with today's technology. And it can give a big peace of mind as well Say somebody knows that there is a mutation in the family and they come to get tested and they're negative. It means that they didn't inherit these, that risk that's causing all the cancer in the family. And we discussed before that someone might have a different doctor uh, refer them for a test. There are tests you see commercials for, but not all tests are created equally. Can you talk about how that is also a benefit of genetic counseling? Sure. And I mean, you know, we at at our institute, we only do the highest level care possible. So we are vetting these labs forwards, backwards, every which way to make sure that not only is the science appropriate and correct, but also that it is beneficial for the patient, that they get the most bang for their buck. Historically, genetic testing has been thousands and thousands of dollars. And luckily, it's just not that way anymore. Um, the insurance may get billed for that amount of money, but the patient will never be responsible for it. There's always ways around it and things that we can do to reduce the cost of that test. And, you know, it's things that are little nuances like that that the genetic counseling process helps with that maybe a, you know, primary care physician isn't as familiar with. And so one patient may pay $3,000, one patient may pay $100. And Helping to navigate insurance is a huge part of genetic counseling, not just paying for the test, but other factors outside of that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we, I hear very often, you know, who gets this information? What happens to it? Am I going to be dropped from my insurance plan? And when genetic testing first started, that was a very big concern and a very valid concern. 
Um, but in about 2008, a law was introduced federally called GINA, which is the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act. And this prevents a health insurance company from dropping coverage, raising premiums, basically doing anything harmful because of these results directly. Um, it's also not considered a pre-existing condition. Um, but in some states, this information can impact things like life insurance policies. So um, having a good understanding about what does this mean long term can be really helpful. Luckily in Florida, in July of 2020, a new law was passed statewide that prevents life insurance companies from using this information to discriminate against a patient as well. So in Florida, we have the best of the best, but other states are not quite there yet. So if someone thinks they might qualify for genetic counseling, how can they go about getting an appointment and, and who should they talk to about it? So first of all, it's important to keep your doctor in the loop. Talk to your doctor about it. You know, see what they think. They can always make a referral or you can self-refer. Just give our office a call um, and we will be happy to set you up in, with an appointment and go through all of this information. It's also important to talk to your family when you're thinking about doing this kind of testing because it doesn't just impact you, it impacts your whole family. And you know, maybe your sister absolutely does not want to know this information and don't get it done because of me. You know, it, there's lots of family dynamics that can come into play. But at the end of the day, your health is the most important thing. And if you wanna be proactive, just give us a call and we'll get you set up. We'll see if you qualify for testing and go from there. How can someone reach out to your office if they were going to self-refer or, or give their doctor more information to get the referral? We have a website, it's smh.com slash genes, G-E-N-E-S. And our phone number is 941-917-2005. And that's really all the information you need to give us a call, get set up. The website has lots of FAQs and uh, family history forms that you can download and fill out for yourself as well. Well, thank you so much for answering all these questions. Nicole Wood, we appreciate you joining us today. And as always, we encourage everyone in our community to visit smh.com to get the latest information from Sarasota Memorial.